We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's happening, guys? Welcome to the Laker Film Room podcast. Today, it's Mike Trudell and Darius Soriano. Uh, we will get Pete back in the mix shortly. And I have been absent the last couple, of Darius. So yesterday, I was traveling to Orlando and it was enjoyable, as always, for me to hear you you and Pete just go back and forth on the tennis court, um, hitting one shot after another at each other. And a couple of things stood out to me. The text thread has been very heavy as a result. And I really want to dive into the big lineups versus the small lineups. This seems to be a big talking point around the team, particularly with how many more resources the Lakers have to go big than they have the last couple of seasons and how it's working it seems to be at least, and the evidence is there with the, the small sample size alert for the big lineups. But before we do that, what say you, we go through some of these injuries, uh, yes. not just for the Lakers, but for the Magic, because it's been, that's been the unfortunate part, Darius, of early this season. I feel like every other day uh, we're finding out something else about a player missing time. No, I was going to say this too. Like I wrote about this as silver screen and roll today. And, and so you can find that there, but the team's depth is being tested, but at least they have the depth to test. Down a bunch of front court players. Obviously, I, we don't have updates on Prince yet, and we're still not sure if Rui will be cleared in time for the Magic game. But Vando's out, and now Gabe Vincent's out too, right, Mike? So Vincent is going to be out for at least two weeks before they reevaluate him. And, and if you saw my tweets or anybody else's, the term effusion was used, and. I think it's safe to say it basically means swelling. Uh, so yeah. swell, it's kind of like the medical term for swelling. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit like the news that we got with Vanderbilt where he's going to be reevaluated after a certain amount of time. And, and usually that means that the injury itself has to calm down some uh, before the ramp up even continues. And so this isn't necessarily two weeks go by and then immediately Gabe Vincent is on the court. It's let's see what happens after two weeks of letting it calm down and where to go from there. And, you know, that's significant. That's significant for a player that I think the Lakers, they need because they don't have a lot of other ball pressure in terms of defense from the point of attack. Uh, and it, that, that's just in context with D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. 
You can get there a little bit, Darius, though, with Cam Reddish, maybe with Max Christie. So I want to kick that to you for what solutions might be. But then you lose a little bit in that instance in terms of three-point shooting, shot creation, being able to run the point a little bit. There isn't another player on the roster that really does both of those things like Vincent does. So we'll I'll get to Hachimura and Prince in a second. But first, what do the Lakers do here uh, without Gabe Vincent? How do they try and optimize that? No, I think we got a good example of what that would look like in the last game with more minutes for Cam and Max getting a chance to play some as well. I think your analysis is spot on around the idea that Gabe not only provides that that defense at the point of attack, but he does it from a true guard position as someone who can who is going to handle the ball and can initiate offense, can run some pick and rolls. Also is comfortable running some of the Lakers five out stuff a little bit more. He comes from the heat and that was their style of play. So there is no replacing everything Vincent would do with a single player. I think it will be cobbled together some. The good thing for the Lakers is that both Max and Cam can step in and be guard defenders. Cam, I think, has been used mostly as a small forward, but if you want to put him at the point of attack to defend guards, he totally can, and Max can can do that as well. I think picking up the ball handling responsibilities is a different question, and I think, Mike, that's probably going to fall more on LeBron James as much as it would additional minutes for D'Lo or Austin. I don't want to um, make it seem like this is is too big of a deal either because LeBron has already been taking on more ball handling responsibility this season than he did last season. And we've actually seen him be a primary ball handler in lineups that featured Vincent already. And Vincent was being used as more as, as more as of an off ball player. So I don't think that this is too much of a disruption, but it is another body that's that's out and depending on what happens with Prince and with Rui, Max is going to get more minutes here because he's the next guy up if Cam is going to be used more as a forward because the forward depth suffers. All right, let's 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 just quickly go through then the rest of the guys. Torian Prince. All right, I'm on the court about to do my opening uh, kind of pregame tip report from, from the court and look over and Torian Prince is going to the locker room. And then so I go over, hey, what's what's going on here? And he ends up being a late scratch, as we find out later, with some soreness in his knee. I guess the good news is that he's listed as day to day. Therefore, it's not one of these things like the Lakers are currently dealing with with Jared Vanderbilt or Gabe Vincent, where we know they're going to be out for a period of time before we find out more. And so that would give him, I think, a chance to play. But sure. we just won't know that until because there's no Lakers practice on the day that we're recording, which is Friday. So we won't get an official update, Darius, uh, on Prince. But the fact that he's at least listed as day to day means that we can ask Darvin Ham tomorrow before the game. Or we may get one of those when you start seeing the tweets come out where I get an update on text. Hey, Torian Prince is, is either been upgraded to probable or downgraded to doubtful, like one of those things. But that is a possibility. Rui Hachimura, he has not been ruled out um, just yet of the Orlando game, but I don't I haven't gotten any updated reports. My guess is that my guess is that he doesn't play um, yeah. in Orlando. 
but we shall see. He at least is on the trip. Uh, and so that's good news. And I think that at some point of the trip that he will return. And that then, as we look at the rotation, Darius, and we just talked about how you cover for Gabe Vincent. Well, if Torian Prince doesn't play, what did the Lakers do last game? They started Cam Reddish. Max Christie moves into the bench spot, uh, or the bench guard rotation, and then Jackson Hayes sees his minutes go up, and Christian Wood particularly sees his minutes go up, and yeah. that's about it. Until you, unless you want to start getting into the two-way G League crew of Castleton and Hodge, which you know wouldn't mind. Like uh, those guys can play a little bit, yeah. but that they would. You're already moving outside of an eight if that's the case. If you don't have Prince, um, if you don't have Rui. And Vincent on top of Vanderbilt. Yeah, and potentially even like Maxwell Lewis, who is forward sized and is about the same size as Cam Reddish. Lewis is probably further behind, like in my evaluation, than like Hodge would be potentially to come in and play a role. But I think an interesting discussion to have, and this is a topic for another day, is when the Lakers have their two stars available and then also have D'Lo and Austin, and then would like there's a natural slotting that is occurring with guys like Max and Cam where their asks are much more narrow. And I've been happy with what Cam has provided within the context of what his role has been. During the preseason, he got put in positions where he was handling the ball a lot more. And that's just not been the case when he's seen minutes during the regular season. And so he has mostly been a transition player offensively. He's taken some open threes and his shooting hasn't quite been there, but his focus has mostly been on defense and taking open shots and moving the ball on and and being a transition player. And that's a narrow enough ask where Kim, I think, has been showing um, positive results with what the asks are of him. And I don't have to sell you on this idea, Mike, but when LeBron and AD... Everything's built around them. And when both of them are available, they naturally put others into roles that I think they're more capable of playing on a night to night basis. Yep. And the last game, the way that this worked, it was Reddish playing 37 minutes. Now, part of that is the five in overtime. Uh, yep. And so everybody's will go down a little bit. Christian Wood, 29. Max Christie, 22. And then, you know, pretty heavy minutes for Austin and for Russell. Jackson Hayes was still limited to 13. So let's do this. Let's take a break and then we can talk about how these specific injuries that the Lakers have had so far have almost forced them into some of these bigger lineups, which may be the way anyway. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Okay, Darius, as the primary miner of lineup data on the Laker Film Room podcast and perhaps in the Lakers basketball world, what have you seen so far early this season to suggest that some of these bigger groups have had more success? Why is that? And what do you think is sustainable? Well, first, let's just start with the LeBron being flanked by AD and Wood. And so the AD and Wood combo here is super important, but LeBron's piece in this is also important. So those three together, LeBron, AD, and Wood, I think have played 44 minutes together as a trio. And they've, they're have they a plus 51, Mike, in 44 minutes. So they are outscoring opponents by more than a point per minute that they've been on the floor together. I thought you asked a very, um, I don't want to say a leading question, but it, but it got us to the answer that I think was super important when you spoke with AD post game. Right. And you asked him like, what's the difference out there basically playing with another big, like wood. And you asked about defense first and he led with offense, but he got to some of the defensive stuff. Let me, peel back the curtain a little bit on this and just so it's all clear. So I have talked to Davis about this a couple of times this year. And and yet, so in a press conference setting, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, AD, Hey, like you and I talked about <laughs> yes. last week. <laughs> yes. And so what, so I end up, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's the questions that I'm asking there are for spectrum in, in a way that they're going to come out in the post game press conference. But so it was after the Sacramento game, if you recall, the Lakers had a lot of success in their big lineups and then closed small. And so I had a conversation with Davis after he actually got done doing his media session. And therefore, I had an idea that he has enjoyed playing in some of these bigger lineups. <laughs> sure. And so, you know, that, so that's when you said leading question. I'm like, well, yeah, it, in a way it is leading, <laughs> but I'm not I'm not leading it because that's what I think, even though it happens to be in this no. case. Right. I'm, I'm leading it because I think it's important to get. Uh, to get that out there, because what Anthony Davis thinks is very significant, because nobody knows better, I think, um, than him specifically on the defensive end. Like, what are the things that are helpful and needed? And that's just the background into it. So if you want to, I know you wrote some of it down. You actually wrote a great piece for us for uh, for it's going to go up on dot com, the Lakers insider um, on AD's defense. But please link all that info into this. 
Well, no, it's just super important because I thought AD's response, and me and Pete were actually talking about this yesterday before and after we recorded the pod. And just that idea of, I thought AD's answer perfectly explained a lot of the stuff that we've been discussing both on and off the pod about the way that this plane next to wood in particular allows AD to space the floor as a defender and be more of a disruptive guy on the perimeter while not necessarily having to worry about as much cleaning up the defensive backboards and the Lakers not being as vulnerable on the back line when when it would then just be LeBron down there when AD either switches out on to a guard or teams just naturally try to space him out based off of the guy that that he's defending. And so when AD is is spelling it out like, hey, when it's just me and LeBron in there and I get pulled out to the perimeter, you're asking then Braun to battle down there with a big guy and then the rest of the guys are fairly small. And so we're getting beat on the backboards and and he didn't speak speak to this, but they have less rim protection back there. And if LeBron is also worried about battling for rebounds, Mike, he's got to make an ex- he's got to make a choice about what's he selling out towards. Right. Am, am I going to try to help here or am I going to try to find a body in order to be solid on the glass? And he can't do both. And this is where you need the guards to help and and everything else. But at some point you just run out out of size. And so A.D. speaking to that and saying point blank, like it's cost us in a couple of games and the Sacramento game was was one of those right and and even at the end of the magic game it's just like you even when you're playing bigger you are susceptible to like stronger guards coming in and and, and like trying to run through Austin or run through D'Lo or even run through Prince if if he's the other guard back there and, and so that bigger size allows AD to flex his muscles defensively in more spaces and it helps play to wood strengths defensively, which are like rebounding. Now there are a couple, let's, let's just keep peeling back the layers here because I think that there's two different situations to look at. One is the starting lineup. One is the, one is the closing lineup. And then all of the lineups in between I get are, have to have a lot of other factors involved, but the starting lineup at halftime, when I come back and do the quick third quarter, you know, Stu will toss it down. Hey, you know, what are you seeing from down there? Or sometimes I'll talk to a coach. And I've I've spoken to Phil Handy a couple of times coming back onto the court. And there's been one thing that he said three, I think it's, is it two or three times? Th- yeah, at least two times that I've spoken to him. And it's that we, we being the Lakers, have to have more physicality. Um, yeah. And and so I think when you're when you're looking at the starting lineup and it's Reeves and Russell and Prince, that might represent some of that looking to have a little bit more physicality. Um, And we've talked about Prince before. The shooting is great. Uh, He the the defense, depending on the matchup, can be really good. But you're not going to rebound a ton. Doesn't necessarily isn't laying wood necessarily all the time uh, in terms of just making contact. And then and we know that that's not the main strength of Russell and Reeves, who are so skilled and do so many things well. 
on the basketball court and have been battling and have been trying. But, you know, that's just not that's not what they're about um, as basketball players overall. So that's that's one part of it is how do you big picture, at least long term, survive those groups? If you're asking AD to do all that in year 21, LeBron, when you have those three players now, the finishing lineup on the flip side, more often than not, has gone bigger and has gone to wood and they've just sort of figured it out. Darius, the question for you, though, is when you have that big trio, if it's Wood next to AD and LeBron, it can be is it a little harder to have both Russell and Reeves because then you're not having that point of attack uh, defender, which is why Gabe Vincent had been playing some with sure. that group. And and I think this now gets back to the whole, well, wait, well, if you started Wood, then what? And Pete, I know Pete has thoughts on this. We'll get those now when he's when he's on the pod next. But you see where we're already kind of. There's a lot here, right? There's a lot. And you think the coaches not only have to worry about this because there isn't that perfect kind of three that that the, the really defends point of attack and then also gives you something on offense in terms of spacing. And so here we are trying to figure out how, how all this fits together. Well, I think, Mike, one of the ways that Darwin has been approaching this is that he hasn't been closing with both D'Lo and, and Austin. He's been sort of um, using them as interchangeable guards. And there have been nights where Austin's been the guy who hasn't closed. And there have been nights where D'Lo's been the guy who hasn't yeah, closed. Russell didn't play in overtime after playing really well. Uh, and, and Austin had a great close after at least not shooting well, but doing a ton of making a ton of winning plays. But and then previously it had been D'Lo and then Austin wasn't closing. Uh, both of them, of course, have been starting. Yeah. And so I don't know if you need to say, well, how can we make it work with both of them in at the same time in order to close the game? I think in an ideal world, you would be able to do that. But if you can't, I, it doesn't feel to me at least, and as an outside observer, and you might know a little bit more about this considering your proximity to the team, but everyone seems to be pulling for each other. Everyone seems to be rowing in the right direction. There doesn't seem to be a bunch of like harsh feelings or resentment around the shifting of roles. Everyone seems to get that on any given night, it could be their turn to close. There was this great clip that I saw online where Christian Wood got asked about the tip dunk that he got, the follow dunk that he got to close out the Clippers. And yeah, so so Reeves kicks it into the corner. Cam Reddish wide open uh, is yep. a little bit long back rim, but it pops up into the air. Wood flies in, seals the game. And so Wood got asked about this post game and he had mentioned and, and he said, oh, it's funny you asked me about that because just a couple of possessions before D'Lo, I was on the sideline waiting for a pass and D'Lo was talking to me about crashing when I'm in the corner, if the shot goes up and it's going up from somewhere else where it's not me that's shooting the ball. And so- I actually missed this. So D'Lo called that shot. Nice, okay. D'Lo was talking to Wood. And so I'll send you this clip, Mike. Wood's explaining. D'Lo was talking to me a few possessions before about this exact scenario. And so when the shot went up, I'm talking as Wood now, when the shot went up, I just had that in my mind and I just went, and attack the glass. And it was there for me. And so that sort of engage, like I tell that story because that sort of engagement from D'Lo plays into this idea that I'm trying to present here that there's a, everyone thinking about like what's best for the team and how to win the game. And so D'Lo's not closing. He hasn't played for an extended stretch here. Austin was in 
to close the regulation. Then Austin is playing all of overtime and D'Lo is sort of there and he's not pouting on the sideline. Instead, he's totally engaged looking for advantage and relate it to a teammate that ends up being a critical play at the end of the game that really is the dagger. And, and so I'm more of the mind that Yes, Darwin can try to say like, okay, well, let's play our two skill guards and let's do this, this, that, and the other. But if the better solution is to play Cam Reddish at shooting guard or to play Torian Prince at shooting guard or even potentially down the stretch, if Vando could potentially be an, an option there, if Wood is going to be a floor spacer and AD could potentially be a floor spacer, I don't think that's the best way to go. But I'm just saying that... It opens up other opportunities for more defensive-minded players to get in there and contribute to that closing group rather than saying these are our quote-unquote best five, if that makes sense. Well, right. And I guess what you're saying is so it's going to be LeBron and AD and then it doesn't – in an ideal world, AD – or. Russell and Reeves, just based on all that they're giving and all that they can do offensively, right? You would be able to find a way to have them out there. But there, we're already sort of seeing some of this trend. Christian Wood is having a larger presence, I think, than anybody. Um, certainly, me would have expected, yeah, just based on track record of the last several years, and you know, eight teams in nine years, and the Mavericks essentially not playing him and then not wanting him. And all of a sudden now it, it's more that you have to pick between guys that were pretty trusted in that playoff run um, in more so Reeves, certainly as it went on with the, the Denver series. But one, one moment I wanted to pause on, you mentioned the Christian Wood follow-up dunk. And I, I will often have dreams. Uh, and I, and as I say, often it's like more of, over the last many years, not like happens twice a week, but in so a lot of times it's in soccer context and it's like the ball will be on the 18 yard box or something. The goalie will have been pulled away to the other side and I just have to run onto it and smash it into the net. Sure. And then like the feeling of the pure elation and for you, it might be, it might be getting to your left hand, you know, and, and a fadeaway <laughs> in the baseline presents itself. But just like when, the ball, when the ball goes off the rim and there's about, say, two seconds before Christian Wood knows, like he immediately knows that he's going to get the ball and he's going to dunk it and it's going to win the game. But it doesn't like it, it wasn't it doesn't happen in the context of even a game winning shot where you've got the ball sort of like the defense is on you. You've got to create space. You've got to cross over. You've got to rise up. And I just think that that feeling of anticipation that you actually get to savor is such a is such a drug. Um, for anybody that's played sports. And I just was thinking that as he kind of almost in slow motion and he yes. goes up and gets to Duncan and just imagine sort of the feeling inside a person's heart and and all of that. And I wondered if you could relate to that. No, well, I will say say this. When I was younger, we used to, I don't know if you ever played on like nine or eight foot courts rather than on 10 foot courts. Like we used to go and play what we called like dunk ball right? Because like the rims were no, that, shorter. Well, that wasn't a thing in Minnesota. Oh man. That, so that sounds, that sounds great though. So at elementary schools in like, like in my town, they had, obviously every playground had the normal 10 foot rims, but other playgrounds also had like nine foot rims. And there was this one school that had a set of eight foot rims on their playground. Right. And so we would go and we would play at these lower rimmed courts sometimes just to be like, hey, I'm going to be an NBA player today and I'm going to go and just dunk 
all all of the time. And so we'd say like, hey, like, let's go play dunk ball today instead of playing like regular pickup. Well, okay. I thought you meant this was like a sanctioned league or something. We, no, we did no, have no, a, no, we no, had a buddy no. who we could lower his hoop for sure, and and to play on on the eight footer. And and I was all of a sudden a post player and just dunking on friends all the time. So yeah, I feel that everyone has had this feeling. It's so there are a few times where I've actually felt like an NBA player, Mike. But the times where you caught the perfect offensive rebound for a follow dunk, that's a feeling none of us normal humans will ever really have on a 10 foot court. So but when Wood caught that one and when you were talking right now, like I have felt that feeling and the exhilaration of when you just catch one perfect. I have to imagine it's the same way that like your boys play baseball. Right. That when the barrel hits the ball perfectly square and the mm-hmm. ball just takes off like that feeling of sweet connection. I'm, I'm sure golfers feel this, too. Right. Where it's well, just like. And yeah. And in, in to, in to tie it in, though, to, just to the crescendo of the moment in there. Yes. And the Lakers being down 19 and all of kind of the the tough road that Wood has had the last couple of years. That, that's so that's part of what sports are about is finding moments of elation like that. Right. One hundred percent. Let's go to break here, Mike. And when we come back, I want to like lead this whole conversation about playing big and the lineups and and uh, the injuries and synthesize that into a quick little discussion about Saturday's game against the Magic. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're going to do just that, Darius, and lead into the game about the Magic. But first, I thought there were, as you were talking there and you were teasing this, I thought there are two ways he's going to go. One is to tie it into the Magic. The other is to tie it into, and there's one reason why all of this works, and that's because of Anthony Davis. You know, and so we'll we'll table that for now. I just wanted to say I was a little late uh, to a Twitter discussion, and um, some Matt Moore had some takes on AD's defense and you're somebody that I know you don't usually just jump in on something unless it's really getting to you and I I don't want to go look you can go you can go search the Twitter history if you want to see what the tweets are but to suggest that Davis isn't a dominant defender um and and then when you come back to then suggest that you can't argue otherwise because you are a Laker fan uh, really had me boiling and I and I wouldn't I you know how many times this will happen and I'll hit it in the text there but it was just so ridiculous and for somebody that's your corner 
And for somebody to come in and, and really try in good faith to argue against it when the when it's so obvious to everybody around the NBA. I talk to opposing head coaches and executives and players all the time, put media members and agents to the side. Anthony Davis's defense is not something that we're questioning. I just I don't I don't get all that. And so we can lead into the magic game with that, but I had to get that off of my chest and and just let's let's please not say dumb things and then try to use uh, use a small selected size of analytics that can easily be shown to be the other way. Uh, just had to say that. Well, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, Mike, but um, we will have a piece up on Anthony Davis hopefully within the next week or so um, that that speaks to. Just some of the stuff that that we see on a daily basis that maybe more um, national, quote unquote, observers don't get a chance to uh, live on a daily basis the way that close observers of the Lakers do. And I could have arguments all day around um, Anthony Davis because I think that he's one of the better players in the entire league. I think he's at the top of or near the top or at the lead, at the front of any discussion that should be had around who the best defensive players in the world are. And you can slice numbers or you can talk to me about on off or you can do all of this other stuff. I'm I'm of the mind that as a close observer of the Lakers, I understand the context and I know what my eyes say and I could write a full dissertation on our guy Anthony Davis. Yeah, but the but the national discourse there isn't the question of him as an all-around player, that's the discourse that I think has gone on and there have been moments um offensively I think it's because he's a big man, um, but that of that I, I can entertain that discussion when we're arguing about where he ranks in the top 10 as an overall player. Sure. And I might think it's six or seven. Many people might think it's 11, 12 or 13. We can have that debate. But there is not a debate about his impact on defense. There's not. That's been settled. The Lakers won a title through it. He did it in New Orleans before that. They got to the Western Conference Finals because he dominated the Grizzlies defensively, because he dominated the Warriors defensively. Yeah. As Steve Kerr explained last year in this year, this year, as Taylor Jenkins explained, and the one player that he cannot defend, um, nor can anybody, is Jokic. And that is also acknowledged. That does not mean that he is not the best defensive player in the world. And if you want to bring some other candidates in there, Draymond had it for a little while. And that's about it. That's the list. <laughs> I, I can't, there's no, it's not Jared Jackson Jr. He's not as good. Um, it's not whoever else you want to fill in inter- on the interior. There are some perimeter defenders that are great, but that's all. It's not, I'll have the debate about where he fits in the top, whatever of players. Yeah. I will not have it on defense. That is not, that is codified. So, like, stop. So, this is a good on wrap to the Magic game as well, because I think AD is going to be key against Orlando, just like he was key against them when the Lakers beat them. What was it? The fourth game of the season? Third game of the season? So the Magic are dealing uh, with their fourth, own... Yeah, in- yeah after the back-to-back after the Kings, after the Kings y- loss. Yes. Yeah. And so the Magic are dealing with their own injury issues, right, Mike? You were sending out some messages last night. Well, the key, the key one, it looks like Wendell Carter uh, broke it, broke a finger. Uh, and it, so it looks like he will miss the game. And that's significant. Uh, Carter's a good player. He's their center. He's what allows them to be a really big and athletic on the front line. Like now they might have to start Mo Wagner uh, in there unless they want to go with Goga Batase, which is sort of a different look and just not, not the player that Carter is. And, you know, Jonathan Isaac's more of a, of a wing, even though he's yeah, super yeah. tall. So yeah, when you're, you're going from Carter to either Batatze or Mo Wagner. You know, Wagner 
makes them interesting on offense, but then it's they're just much less of a of an impactful defensive team. And so one of the things that the Lakers did to attack Orlando was basically use AD as a battering ram as a screener. Orlando was perfectly happy, and this is in screen actions with LeBron. And Orlando felt fairly comfortable switching their big off of LeBron and then putting a smaller player on to AD, even if that was a forward, right? The guy who, who was guarding LeBron. And a, what AD was doing was he was rolling out of that pick, pick and roll, and he was then burying guys in the post. And he was getting deep post touches and and aligning himself near the basket for offensive rebounding chances. And he was just a critical player. And then on top of that, AD's ability to protect the basket as Orlando was in the game earlier this season because they hit a bunch of threes. But they shot like 40 percent on two pointers. And part of that was because AD was hanging around the basket a bunch. He was deterring shots and Orlando was Missing shots around the basket, but also missing mid-range jumpers. And, and so I am interested in what this version of the game looks like, particularly if Carter doesn't play because Carter has tried to start to space the floor the last couple of years. Now, he was not one of the players who was making threes in the, the last game, but if AD is going to be able to guard a player who is not going to space the floor. That's going to allow him to hang around the basket even more, which I think is going to be problematic for Orlando. Well, in that game, going into it, you look at it from the Lakers defensive perspective and you think, well, Franz Wagner and Paolo Banquero are versatile wings who like to attack off the dribble. They like to get into the paint. Uh, they've got some mid-range stuff. They can get all the way to the rim and finish. They are good at getting to the foul line. And then they ran into Anthony Davis. And when those guys tried to turn the corner or got a screen and AD's just able to, as this is a part that I thought you elucidated uh, really clearly in your article where he's doing two things at once and he's still protecting the rim, but then he's kind of flashing out and putting one of those long arms out. And then yet, and it's just, he's just everywhere. And so Wagner was five for 17. Bancaro was four for 14. It's not all Anthony Davis. Of course, they miss some open shots. They miss some open threes, uh, but, and they only got to the foul line a collective six times. A lot of that is Anthony Davis. Uh, it, it just is. And that's the part of his defensive brilliance that I think is at this point, you know, goes basically without challenge. The way that I would try to attack him is more is having somebody really big and trying to go at him in in the primary sense and then have everybody else crash or pull him out to the perimeter as guards have done when the Lakers are small and then crash in that way. But you're not there isn't a wing or a guard that's just going to give him fits uh, like on the perimeter or once they get into the paint. And to me, that really limits this specific Orlando team because Suggs and Fultz are not super dangerous guards in terms of the way that a, a staff or a dame or like a shot creator can just live outside the three-point line can get all of the fadeaways in the mid in the mid-range they kind of need to get to the hoop also and and he Darius in that way it reminds me a little bit of the like the Memphis and the Golden State series um, hmm. with Steph being the exception where they weren't really sure how to attack Anthony Davis Anthony Davis and therefore they weren't really sure how to attack the Lakers I'll be interested to see how Wagner and Paolo play in this game. Paolo's had a couple of stinkers against the Lakers, uh, particularly playing against LeBron. Um, 
there's a history there. Like Paolo grew up watching LeBron and trying to emulate LeBron. And LeBron has seemingly been um, a very important sort of totem in in the trajectory that Paolo has been chasing as, as a player, right? And, and last year in Paolo's rookie year, he was very upfront about the idea like, oh man, like it's my first game playing against LeBron. Like this means something to me. And it looked like it might've thrown him off so, a little bit that yeah, first time. So, so to layer in that, last year, it was like he was totally shook um, by LeBron. <laughs> and this year, it seemed like he was shook on the court by Anthony Davis, some. Um, sure. But, and so I don't think the, the LeBron part to me is uh, maybe it's still there a little bit, and, and especially when LeBron is still playing like he's playing. But, you know, LeBron didn't have the greatest game. I think LeBron was 7 for 17. He had 19 points and four assists. That was his kind of quiet game on the second night of the back-to-back. But, yes, con- continue your point. LeBron, though, did have a, a few fourth quarter baskets, although those came against Jonathan Isaac a little bit more. But the Magic are going to go as far as Boncaro and Wagner take them, Right. And they're going to need those two to show up a little bit more. And this is where the Lakers front court depth being hindered could matter a little bit more. We'll see what happens with Prince. We'll see what happens with Rui. But if neither of those guys play, then you are going to be more dependent on Christian Wood. You are going to be more dependent on LeBron to defend one of those guys. You could even see Jackson Hayes get deployed on one of those guys. Um, AD may be asked to guard Ben Carroll more. He may even see a matchup against Wagner. So there's going to be different sorts of asks potentially in this game defensively. And if the Lakers can continue to impact the efficiency of Boncaro and Wagner, then they're going to put themselves in a very good position to win this game. All right. So last thought for me then on the Magic, if they do start Wagner, then, you know, to me, I'd almost rather have AD on Bancaro or Franz Wagner as opposed to Mo Wagner and, sure. and not just having AD pulled out um, to the perimeter unless you're also having Christian Wood in to then hold down the glass and not let Jalen Suggs just freaking crash in like a missile, uh, which he was doing uh, throughout yeah. the entire game in the game at uh, crypto.com. But yeah, I think uh, Darius, that will basically wrap things up for me. Uh, let's, let's look forward to this game. And then I don't even know what my life is going to be. Okay. So then we're going to Miami. Yep. After the, after the magic game, going to be in Miami on Sunday. And I think we'll still be on, in Miami on Monday and we'll be able to get Pete in uh, to share thoughts over the weekend, but we appreciate you guys listening. Darius, always a pleasure. And we will talk to you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is lying. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Done. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot, the He's an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. 
There's the move. Two. Let's go. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com